Welcome to Heritage Radio Network on tour. I'm Kat Johnson, and today we are once again broadcasting from On the Rise 3, the International Symposium on Bread at Johnson & Wales University in Charlotte, North Carolina. Today's coverage is brought to you by Charlotte Scott Allot and supported in part by the Julia Child Foundation for Gastronomy and the Culinary Arts. Today we have a special guest joining us from South Pittsburgh, Tennessee. Uh, Welcome to Mark Kelly, the PR and Advertising Manager of Lodge Cast Iron. Welcome, Mark. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming by. Um, So let's start with you have a Lodge Cast Iron pan on the table next to you. Yes, I do. Tell us about it. Is this one of the newer ones? This is the new pan that we came out with in the spring. we have a 10-inch skillet. This is the 12-inch skillet. Um, Wirecutter.com rated the skillet as the best one on the American market, so we're pretty excited about that. And it's it's kind. Of, we had a 10-inch skillet that we called the Chef Skillet for many years, and we've upgraded that as well. the The primary thing is the sides are sloped, the handle's more ergonomic, and it's a little shallower, not much, but it's it's very friendly. And of course, these assist handles really changed the dynamics for us when we added those in the late 70s. Can you talk more about the assist handle, like what it looks like? Well, it's, it's, it, it looks like a little pointed rectangle. I, I forget my geometry. But it helps you put your fingers underneath it and lift it. So if, if you're not accustomed to lifting 5, 10 pounds, it really helps out. And with food in it, obviously, it's a little heavier than that. But um, any, skillet over, any of our skillets that are over 8 inches um, – it has an assist handle on it, or excuse me, over nine inches, excuse me. Um, what's kind of like the difference between why you would want an eight versus a 10 inch skillet? Just more food c- cooking capacity. And, and uh, say with this, you could, you could do two small steaks, you could do four hamburgers, um, chicken breasts, that sort of thing. And uh, some people actually make cornbread in a pan that size, in a skillet that size, or pies, any number, or layers of cakes. It's a, as we all know, cast iron is very, very versatile. And um, talk about a little bit about how Lodge cast iron comes pre-seasoned and why that's important to maybe someone who hasn't cooked a lot with cast iron before. Well, it's that, that's a very compelling story. We started the foundry seasoning in 2002, and um, we, we gained a lot of national recognition at the time. We were named a in 2002 a good good housekeeping provided us a, a good buy award and uh, that moved us very quickly from being a regional district cast iron distributor to a national uh, and and in the year since uh we're we're now an international business we're sold in 80 countries around the world and um when you're a town of 3200 people <laughs> and you see your cookware in stores and you know asia and europe and Iceland and South and Central America, South Africa, um, it kind of gets you a little kick in your giddy up. It's, it's wonderful. So let's talk about that. Um, American made since 1896. Yes. So it's been around for a really long time. Obviously, more and more people have been seeing the Lodge brand out there now that you're worldwide. But give us a little bit of the backstory of Lodge. I have to say, Kat, it's... Um, it's a true American story. Uh, Joseph Lodge's family came over from England. Um, he was looking for an opportunity. And um, at the time, uh, this was in the 1870s, there was a company from um, England, uh, the old English company. And uh, they had several foundries there, and Joseph worked at a couple of those, and he was the supervisor. And um, he was still running a foundry, and when he started uh, the original foundry, which was the Blacklock Foundry, uh, Joseph's family, as I said, is from England, so they're member, they were members of the Church of England. The Episcopal Church is 
the um, cousin of that, and Blacklock was named after Joseph Blacklock. Jo- uh, Joseph Lodge really liked that that, pr- that Episcopal priest. And in 1910, the original foundry burned, and we uh, they moved the foundry about a mile south and reincorporated as Lodge Manufacturing Company, and we've been on that site ever since. Um, the the thing that is so compelling we're a family-owned company and the family's always reinvested in the foundry and the equipment which is not like a lot of companies <laughs> and uh, but we we've had um so many instances through the years where we introduced auto pouring in the in the 70s and that helped us compete more on the on the world market um we in 1992 we switched from coke-fired copolis to melt the iron to induction furnaces which uh, which not only made it more efficient but we became a a, a producer of a less amount of hazardous uh, air quality and now we're a zero hazardous waste stream foundry so when people think of iron and steel foundries they think of smoke billowing in the air and that doesn't happen um in um, mid-90s things progressed well but uh, we really weren't moving as it's most companies um, were offshoring and uh, our board of directors really said this is what we're going to do we were fortunate to have walmart in the mix of our sales and um, then you know they, when they started working on the foundry seasoning it was one of those things where we they knew that they needed to do it for a long time and when they finally did it, the, t- the introductory tagline was, we should have thought of this 100 years ago. <laughs> but, but it took a lot of, you know, it, excuse me, I'm, I'm from the South, so home seasoning wasn't that difficult. Uh, it, it's a process, it, particularly at home. You bake um, oil on it at, very, at 350 degrees, and then you start cooking with it. And a lot of people are asking for instant, instant gratification when they buy a piece of cookware, but with the with the at that time, we called the seasoning Lodge Logic, and Logic was what we called the oil. It's a soybean oil. And um, in, excuse me, on July 1st, 2007, we switched everything to season. At one point, we had half of our items unseasoned, the other half seasoned, and, and then we had, the unseasoned was down to 25 items. And as a rust preventative, we had to dip it in wax. Mm-hmm. And... Um, we weren't we weren't doing enough of that, so we we stopped doing the whack, the the what we call original finish, and we put in another seasoning line. So that that's uh and and for the twenty late twentieth and early twenty first century uh, consumer, having that ability to, to to buy something and take it home and start cooking with it right away, uh, really really changed the game. Um, it's a cliche, but a game changer. But it really changed the game, and it. Um, it came about when Food Network and Food Magazines, particularly Food Network and, and PBS cooking shows, were at their at their dominant place, still are, and they are using cast iron cookware. They don't mention Lodge or other manufacturers, but when we started seasoning, um, cast iron cookware was 4% of the domestic cookware marketplace, and that includes enamel-coated cast iron, and now we're, uh, cast iron category is 15% of the um, cookware market so that's a big sea change in, in just a matter of 17 years and what are you hearing from people who maybe get a lodge as their first ever cast iron piece and they're starting to cook with it there are always a lot of questions um a lot of people hear different stories about you know all the things that can go wrong with cast iron and obviously we're telling them to relax it's okay and um uh, 
And we have cooking videos, we have use and care videos on our website, and our, our customer care department does a really good job of walking people through. The one thing that a lot of people don't realize, uh, even with the information we pro provide and other cast iron cookware manufacturers is, you don't have to, unless you're deep frying or searing, you don't have to take it up as high. So medium, me, medium heat, a little lower that's perfectly fine so it's you know a lot of people ask us if we're sustainable yes but we also when you cook with lodge you're also saving energy um and um i mentioned induction furnaces for our melting our our metal the only two metals that can be used on induction burners are cast iron and stainless steel so there have been a lot of things that come in have come into our play and i'll i'm a joker a lot of times i always say how did those middle-aged metallurgists know how know that it was would be induction ready and um some people get the joke and other people don't but it but if, once people start using it they they really have a fascination with it and they 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 really connect with how versatile it is i mean there are not a lot of skillets and dutch ovens that you can use on the stovetop and in the oven on the grill and take it out camping and you may not want to bring it in the house to cook with but you can and you can do all the you know just you can use virtually every cooking technique with the exception of very delicate sauces. And how many home cooks do that? But uh, one technique that people are just shocked by is the broiler. It's, it, I mean, cast iron lives for heat. And you put it under the broiler and anything you put in there is just going to be magnificent. Um, and you briefly mentioned cornbread. But let's get a little bit more into that. There is a cornbread festival that takes place every year in south pittsburgh it's the national cornbread festival and lodge uh, hosts the lodge national cornbread cook-off um cat is it's not your granny's cornbread it's <laughs> it's it's different uh it, contestants um need to use a cup of martha white cornmeal a lodge seasoned product and everything else is left to their creativity so through the years we've had some really out of the box recipes just my favorite i'm from the georgia coast my favorite one it was a third place uh, finisher in 2008 it's crab cake cornbread and the cornmeal was a medium that held the crab meat together i grew up had puree shrimp and that was what held the crab meat together but uh we've had everything from tex-mex italian um cajun it did not look good but there was a lady that won a few years ago she it was a pot of mixed greens with uh pureed um, andouille sausage and a big dollop of uh, whipped cream on the top and you literally got a hoe a hoe cake and scooped it up and ate it and now it was messy but darn was it good <laughs> <laughs> and it's uh it's become a lot of people's favorite and um how can people learn more about the cornbread festival if they want to experience lodge cast iron culture in person well two things you can go on the website for the national cornbread festival festival nationalcornbread.com and uh, there are a lot of beautiful pictures of the of the community and uh and then the lodge uh, cast iron website we have videos from the cook-off we uh, live we facebook live the uh cook-off this year we had over four thousand forty thousand people watching including some people from australia um but uh that's a lot of people complain about technology but to be able to introduce your community and your cook-off um, to people all over the world is is something that nobody's ever been able to do without unless they spent a lot of money mm -hmm. but um, the thing that really keeps it all together this is a tiny town of 3200 people that has over a thousand volunteers and um, everybody who volunteers they receive something for their work so, um, 
the gates, uh, admission gates, their school teachers and parents, they take the tickets and the um, local elementary school gets those what proceeds from that and that helps pay for things that the school can offer pencils erasers and things of that nature the fo local football team picks up garbage and they get money to go to football camp uh, there's an area called cornbread alley it's a tasting area with seven different recipes and people pay an admission fee and then when they leave they, there's a little jar for each group and they, they vote by which one they liked and, and those and those people get that money and it's been Real instant. There was one church that lost its roof in a storm. They were able to put a new roof on it. Um, just any number of organizations, and the the festival committee has a reinvestment grant, which is doled out every year, and that's helped to re remove, uh, excuse me, restore an old church that's now a community center. It's restored a uh, old movie theater. Helped to restore an old movie theater. There was actually a silent film star, Joe Bonner Ralston, who was an Oscar winner. So when the, <laughs> the Princess Theater was completed, we had a Joe Bonner Ralston film festival. But um, to see that many people involved in the community, and we we have a line uh, you know we don't say cornbread festival we'll just say come cornbread time but also people catch cornbread fever and a lot of people from the community have moved to other cities and they'll bring friends to visit and they get cornbread fever so they volunteer but um we have a carnival that's a lot of fun for the children we have face painting uh, we have all kinds of children's things we have a lot of music and uh, we've had some great acts late in the afternoon on saturday and um the national cook-off is held on saturday and then there's a 4-h cook-off for nine-year-olds on sunday and that that's probably the cutest cook-off i've ever seen <laughs> you have these little nine-year-old kids toting their skillets up there and you can tell it's maybe the first or second time they've done this recipe solo but um it you know it's i've always revered 4-h and ffa but seeing that's pretty remarkable but um with the national cornbread uh, cook-off we t start taking submissions um late in December of every year. We, we close off the uh, submissions um, in March. Then we have a team that winnows down the submissions and uh, picks the top 20, and then they prepare those, and then they, they t pick the top 10 to compete, and they have two alternates in case somebody can't come. Um, it's, a, it's a very generous award. The, the winner wins $5,000, a brown five-star uh, gas range, um, Second place is $2,500, and third place is $1,000. Is, uh, $1, um, and everybody gets a stipend for a hotel, that sort of thing. And we literally, we had people from all over the country. The, the winner this year was from um, Pasadena, California. She came in second last year, and she came back, and she, she turned it around. And um, we, ha we have a caveat. If you win the cook-off, you can't, you can't sign on for the next five years, which is only fair to competitors. But... Um, we had the highest number of submissions this year. We had like 180 submissions from around the country. And what was really weird, we had three uh, uh, contestants from Illinois. Uh, but, uh, you know, we've had people, last year's winner was from Baltimore, and she came back and was a judge this year. Um, the first, it, it, you can tell with these cook-offs how um, the presentation pays off. And the first year it really came to fold, there was a lady from uh, Flagstaff, Arizona. She had a Tex-Mex um, recipe but she had a she had a uh, uh margarita she had the chips and a little sombrero and salsa and there was the recipe and uh so the, the presentations have gotten quite elaborate but uh the recipes are, are pretty darn good you gotta have the cornbread but you also have to have the swag with the cornbread you have to have the swag <laughs> and and uh, it's um 
We've changed the format for the for the national cook-off. And re- last year we started, we switched. It used to be a, a heat of five people and a break for an hour, then a heat of uh, another five people. Um, in 2018, we switched it to an Iron Chef start with every 15 minutes mm-hmm. with the clocks. And that really has um, enhanced the interaction with the audience. Uh, we have two MCs. We have one MC uh, working the crowd, just asking questions, and then and then we have a, sh- a visiting chef that comes and is able to talk culinary um, bits and pieces, and it really added a lot of uh, entertainment value. And then <laughs> we had a head-to-head cook-off between two restaurants in Chattanooga with the with the executive chef and the sous chef, and. Uh, our art department did just an amazing job. They made a poster that looked like it was like a wrestling match or something. Oh, cool. And who will win? Yeah. And they'd already competed in several uh, cook-offs in the past, so there was a lot of trash talking on the stage, and which made it a lot of fun. And then um, we had Carl Worley as a judge this year, and he did a uh, – from uh, Biscuit Love in Nashville, Tennessee, and he did a, a cooking demonstration. If you're ever in Nashville and you – again, it's like the cornbread of the – cook-off these ain't your granny's uh, biscuits these are <laughs> these are on another level altogether and he has he's, he started out with a food truck yeah and now he's got three brick and mortars in uh, nashville and we we provide a lot of cookware for him when he started but uh, i just uh, I, you know we we were talking last night at dinner about all the things in the culinary community and I, that's one of the things i just that that's, that's my jam is seeing people work hard and make something good and and then they, you know, a lot of them, they really don't change who they are. They're, they just, they, they're successful with their business and they care for their employees. And that's what makes my job a lot of fun, working with people like that. And so speaking of Carl and providing him cookware for his restaurant, um, can you talk a little bit more about how Lodge works with chefs around the South and around the country to um, have these partnerships and help support them? Well, if, a variety of ways. Uh, we'll provide uh, cookware for recipe t- testing and um, uh, also cookbooks. We uh, we sell it at, at a, a essentially at uh, just half off with plus shipping. We have a we have a whole division in our sales department that calls on uh, restaurants and institutions specifically. But through our relationship with Southern Foodways Alliance and International Association of Culinary Professionals, we've. But sometimes I cheat on that. But anyway, it, it's so we we've spread the word in a lot of areas and that we weren't in the past and. We, we have these mini servers that we created, um, came out in 2008. We've added pieces to it, but uh, they're, they're little serving pieces, different shapes. And then in 2014, we bought the rights to a process where they're highly rust resistant. Mm. So you can put them in the dish, if, if it's food stuck on, you can put them in the dishwasher. You still have to maintain the seasoning, but uh, it's really changed the game for us. And it's, it's a very simple process. Well, it's, difficult in the manufacturing but essentially the process removes the top layer of oxygen and when water hits iron it oxidizes and we put nitrogen in there Mm. and that stops the oxidation so it's um it was funny our our uh, vice president of uh, manufacturing we had a a dutch oven he left it outside for three years while we were still thinking about never rusted now the seasoning was off but it didn't rust so we knew it we knew it would be a good thing it's it's much like uh, blue steel Mm. that sort of thing where it doesn't rust but um we had some um restaurant orient we were the ones that developed the fajita griddle Mm. way back in the day we have some other items and that business was doing well but once we started these mini servers it just took off. It's and, and it's not just in the states; it's all over the world. They really connect with it, um, and we're in. It's it's an untold story. Sometimes I wish I would go back and could be go back and be a journalist. 
other countries truly revere American manufacturing, and uh, particularly in Asia, they they like they like American manufacturing. They they like family businesses, and they love the South. Um, when I was growing up in the '60s and '70s, maybe the South, what you know, people didn't really think about the South in a nice way. But now it's the ultimate cool. So we have distributors coming in from China and Taiwan and Japan and South Korea. And because of those relationships, uh, particularly South Korea and Japan, we've been able to come out with some new items for them, and we introduce it to the American market, and everybody everybody digs on it. So it's cool. That's awesome. I love that it's a small family business in a really small town, but with this like massive global reach. It, it's uh, um, like I was saying earlier. I get chill bumps when I think about it. Um, it years ago, we we got a call the week before Christmas in a museum in Paris where they wanted some of these mini server pieces they they they, they had an exhibit uh on high hot cuisine art and mm. we were like okay we just did it here but they liked it and, we, and it, it is very elegant but um you, when you get so ingrained in the process you may not think it's all that but to to be asked to be invited to have your products in a, a, a really wonderful museum uh, forgive me i've forgotten the name but that was quite a that was quite a coup for us yeah it's amazing um so where can people go to learn more about lodge and order their own pieces for home well we, we have a lot of dealers here in in the charlotte area and all around the country um we're sold in sur la Tobe and williams sonoma walmart target uh, Amazon, and we have our own website, www.lodgemfg.com. That's where you can learn more about us. And there are a lot of videos on there, and all of our products are on there, both season iron, enamel coated. We have a really excellent line of carbon steel skillets and griddles that people like. But more importantly, you really get a glimpse of who and what we are. Um, you see a lot of the workers, and uh, there's some interviews with them. There's, there's a foundry tour. Um, and if you ever have a chance to get down our way, I would love to take you on a foundry tour. It's it is it is any photographer that comes in, whether it's still or film, I have to drag them out of there because <laughs> they when particularly when they're pouring the metal into the um, the ladles that go and pour into the sand, pour the auto pour mechanism. But it's uh, it's smoke and steel and sparks. That, Foundry term for the sparks are uh, yellow jackets because when they hit your skin, it kind of still feels like a <laughs> yellow jacket. But uh, it's probably the coolest place I've ever worked, and, and particularly with the foundry because you have all these really talented and uh, and dedicated, passionate people, and um, we just like pumping iron. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're we're into it. We want to come to South Pittsburgh and see the foundry, and we definitely want to come to the Cornbread Festival. You you will have a you will have a hoot uh, uh, and. The people, uh, the people in the festival are so. Uh, I mean, there are people that come in from all over. There, a couple of years ago, there was a guy in the in the factory store, and we had a TV crew from California. And they said, "Well, you know, why are you here?" And he said, "And he, this couple was from Missouri." He said, I told the little woman all I wanted for Christmas was a trip to the lodge at the Cornbread Festival. <laughs> they had two shopping carts full, but uh, yeah, it, there's a Baptist. Uh, uh, african-american uh, baptist preacher from atlanta anytime he's going to have a wedding in his church or somebody gets rededicated or any number he'll come up to our store and buy products and take them down there and he gives them to them um, there's a little town outside of knoxville a lady does that for it used to be just her church now it's everybody in the town anybody gets engaged she gives them some cast iron products from us so what's better than that there's nothing better everyone needs one so yes. yeah i'm i'm a fan of that tradition um well mark thanks so much for sitting Thank down with so us much and for talking me. about cast iron and, and these are for y'all oh boy oh, yeah. you're too good to us
Well, y'all are part of our family, so that's this is this is an early Christmas present. Thank you so much. We will put them to good use. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks again. I'm Kat Johnson for Heritage Radio Network. Um, thanks once again to Charlotte's Got a Lot and the Julia Child Foundation for making our coverage of the Bread Symposium possible.